At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Happy New Year! <laughs> Happy New Year to all of our listeners. <laughs> um, was that was that Christmas wind from somebody there? <laughs> I was trying to do it. <laughs> Welcome to Knife Talk, the podcast for anybody interested in knives, whether you're a maker, collector, whatever you may be. Um, hosted by myself, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives, Mareko Malmasi of Malmasi Fire Arts, and Jeff Fader of Fader Knives. We welcome you every week. Um, we've actually had two weeks off at Christmas, which has been quite nice. Um, but we're back. We're back stronger for 2022. So, guys, how has your holiday been? Well, it's three weeks. Three, we, yeah, we had two weeks off, so it's been three weeks since we spoke. Yes, yeah. I mean, I don't know what, no. what happened. I thought we were supposed to have recorded last week. <sighs> I don't yeah. think so. No. I don't. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> well, anyway, so that was 2022. <laughs> we shall see you next year. <laughs> Bye, guys. Marek, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, the holidays were good and low key uh, around here. It actually started snowing Christmas Day. Um, in the Pacific Northwest, we don't get white Christmases very often. In fact, uh, I can I only really can recall maybe two white Christmases, but I'm going to fudge it and say that we probably had four um, or <laughs> something around there. But, uh, yeah, it was beautiful. Um, and, unfortunately, it kept us from traveling um, to go visit family uh, on Christmas Day. Um we were planning we always go down to visit my wife's family down um south towards portland oregon and it's they were actually going to going to be getting more snow and freezing and mm. unfortunately western washington is not really well set up uh infrastructure wise for snow and um the geniuses here in our municipalities basically did nothing for this for the roads they did no de-icing no salting i think between the three municipalities, they got one snowplow. Um, 
Oh. And so they kind of focused on big roundabouts and main intersections, but otherwise gentle curves and straightaways stayed completely snowed over and it just compacted and snowed and froze and a little bit of drizzle rain and then froze again and it became a fucking mess. But uh, otherwise we played a lot in the snow um, while it was snowing those first few days. It was great. Um, and then good new year. What did you yeah, do for new, new year? Anything? Low key. So New Year is um, is actually my my wife's and my first kiss anniversary. <laughs> we kissed for the first time <laughs> on New Year's Day. Kiss anniversary. Uh, yeah. Jeez so I'm a sap. I'm a, I'm a I'm a sap. I'm a hopeless romantic, my friend. So um, we definitely stayed up um, till New Year's. Had a kiss, and we we're like, "All right, let's go to fucking bed." <laughs> so we went straight to sleep. <laughs> no, no foreplay, just straight in. <laughs> no kiss. Uh, yeah, we started watching uh, the Wheel of Time um, <laughs> series on Amazon. We watched. We burned through like three or four episodes or something like that, and then it was New Year's. Kissed and went to fucking sleep. Um, oh, the life of married couples. <laughs> yeah. um, but other than that, things have been pretty standard. Working on knives. They're coming along good. Uh, I got some travel coming up in February that I'm really excited about. Uh, I just launched my Patreon. So I've been teasing on here uh, the idea of trying to put together courses or trying to figure out a way to get um, kind of like more in-depth content around my processes and the way I make knives out into the world. And... Um, my after a lot of deliberation and talking about it, um, my wife and I decided to do the Patreon. And I know there's a lot of stuff out there on Patreon, and some people have issues with it, uh, some people love it. Uh, but basically, my goal is to just unload everything I know about knife making into this uh, page to build a community uh, where people can come together and help each other, as well as learn from some of the mistakes I've made, as well as the uh, things I've improved upon. And um, I'm really excited about it. I'm I'm really really excited because I think over time, uh, it's going to become a really solid resource for people to come to. Um, another thing I really like about the Patreon is that it's it's not gonna break anybody's bank you know we ha we ask people to um support at either a five dollar or fifteen dollar uh, level and i think that's pretty manageable for f most folks and um and so, I, so I just, what is I, I don't know much about patreon is it like a like a social network where you can share stuff how, how does it work yeah i mean it's kind of like a social network except for it's it, but it, but it's also kind of not um like it links up with different platforms like i i I started a, a Discord server, uh, which is kind of a chat server. I'm sure you're probably familiar with it, Craig. But um, yeah, basically, yeah. it's like for people who are more familiar with like knife forums and stuff like that. It's it's kind of like the new form of forums, um, and also it's basically <laughs> the same thing as like Yahoo chat rooms from like 15 or 20 years ago. Um, and so, uh, but it's just again, it's just a place that I wanted to. I wanted to get all the information out there that I got in my head and, and to build a community around it. And that I, the, the reason I want to do it too, is cause you know, I've, I've done a lot to share uh, on my Instagram and whatnot and creating videos and, and tutorials and stuff like that. But it really takes a lot of time and my knife making is the only way that, um, you know, we make money to support ourselves and my family. And anytime I make content, it takes time away from that knife making. I just, I've got to the point where I just can't afford to do it and I can't afford to 
I really, unfortunately, like I share videos from time to time, but I really can't afford to go in depth. You know, a lot of the stuff I share is helpful, but it's also very, uh, like scratching the surface. And so, um, with these, with the support of these patrons, I'm able to really kind of go into a more of a deep dive and, and share more of the nuance and trials and tribulations and troubleshooting that I've discovered over time in these various processes instead of just being like, this is how I, uh, S grind and then show like, you know, two minutes of me S grind and be like, okay, thanks. <laughs> you know, we can really dive into it. Right. Um, yeah. and so that's what I'm really looking forward to and really excited about is to be able to, it's to be able to afford to take the time to put that information into the world. Uh, and, but it's going to go to the Patreon page. Um, cool. To those who are paying, and basically, how will people paying. find? Is there a link on your main website to that, or uh, there is a link on my website? Probably the easiest way is for people to go to the link in my bio. I actually created a link tree. I feel like I just joined 2022 finally and got a link tree uh, page. You hit the big time. I know. I set up a link tree page, but it's a play. It's kind of a catch-all page for quick links, and so it's right there mm. in the link of my bio. It's a, it's uh, you got the Patreon. They got I referred to the Amazon store previously. Uh, we got a link to the Amazon store in there too to calendars to aprons all that stuff so yeah go to the link in my bio on my instagram uh and that will get you to the patreon where i would love to have your support just prompt just promise me you won't do one thing what's that don't do what that woman did and bottled her farts up and sell, selling her farts. <laughs> no, that's your farts. that's your business. <laughs> I, well, are you are you going to start bottling your sharks? <laughs> bottling your sharks. Is that why you're afraid? <laughs> you, you think you're you think you're going to you're stepping on my toes? The fart jarring business. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know what we're talking, I've got the page in front of me here. Actually, um, why hit the news? This this because we, because it's funny. You know it's it's topical, <laughs> and it's going to go away in a, in a week. We only these these some of these news. Stories Stories, they don't have a lot of long legs, so we got to no. get them while we can. Otherwise, there's no point in going back. Right. So this is on Gizmodo. Um, the headline is TikTok star who sells her farts in jars starts selling fart NFTs. So it's just like <laughs> what <the> ridiculous. <laughs> she calls herself a fart a fartrepreneur, um, but she wound up in hospital with fart-related distress oh from a high-fiber diet. Do you know, so I'm just, just reading this out. Now, lots so. of broccoli and garlic. I think so. So it says here, Stephanie Matto, who appeared on the reality TV show 90 Day Fiancé and gains a huge following on TikTok, I'm so down with kids, TikTok, said she had to go to the hospital recently with gastric complications because she was eating so many high-fiber foods to produce more and more farts. Um, She was selling jars of her fart for $1,000 per jar. Mm. And at one point, she was doing 50 a week. Jesus. Yeah, she said, I thought I was having a stroke and that these were my <laughs> final moments. <laughs> Mado told the UK's Jam Press about her unexpected trip to the hospital near her home in Connecticut. Um, I was overdoing it. I was working too hard. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. I feel like I heard somewhere before that men fart on an average of like 7 to 12 farts a day. So I feel like that's a solid really? An hour for me. An hour. I'm not Jeez. surprised. Oh, you, you're like a golden goose there, Craig. You should be <laughs> jar- bell jars. You should have like a backpack full of jars and lids. Don't, I'm just <laughs> ready to roll in. Talk about reuse, recycle. I mean, you're yeah. Mr. Fucking No Waste Anything. Come on, just start canning those farts. Fart in a jar. Who the thought? Who the thought? I mean, it is funny. I, I find I, the funny part is she thought she was having a heart attack. Yeah. But really what it was was she was just like 
eating some stuff and it had she just i mean she literally just had gas yeah all the high fiber stuff there's there's yeah. a, let me find this line to say where is it uh do, 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 do. Um, I didn't tell my doctors about the farting in the jar. Right. I did tell them about my diet. It was made clear that I was experiencing what I was experiencing wasn't a stroke or a heart attack, but very intense gas pain. I was advised to change my diet and take a gas suppressant medication, right. which has effectively ended my business. <laughs> <laughs> cutting into the, cutting the harvest down, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's called a line. fart fist, right? Uh, All right, dilemma time already. Fuck the no no one care. We're going to go right into a dilemma here. (laughs) Really? Okay. Yes. Right. Immediate dilemma because we don't have a lot of time with this one. You have the opportunity to buy Britney Spears's fart jar. She's starting to sell farts. She might, by the way. (laughs) That uh, that conservatorship, maybe she should have stuck with that. Because I don't know what's going on over with her. She looks a wreck, to be fair. Let's say Britney Spears is selling jars of fart for 100 bucks a pop. Do you buy a fart jar from Britney Spears for $100? I mean, that sounds like a sound investment. 100 bucks? Yeah. Yeah. They could be toxic. Are you buying it or There's not? There's a Britney Spears joke there for you, by the way. Oh, there you go. I, f- I fucking forgot it. Yeah. I'm buying it. 100 Ship bucks? Ship me, baby, one more time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am buying... Oops, I sharted again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, baby. 2022, we're back, baby. We're back. I'm buying 100 bucks. I am buying a Britney Spears jar of farts. Yeah, I'm not going to smell it. I'll keep it on my on my table or something like that. No. I'll have it as a memento. You taint your investment <laughs> doing that. Look at you. Look at you. You guys are unbelievable. Yeah. It's like one after the other. You guys had a nice couple of weeks off and it's like firing all cylinders. <laughs> just like uh, Brittany. <laughs> hey. Uh no, I wouldn't. That's oh, just, no. You're, come on, no. man. All right. Nah, it's not for me. Recco, you buying buying a hundred dollar can of fart? I mean, Hundred bucks these days isn't a lot. I mean, that sounds like a good. You best you buy low, you sell high. Look right? at you, Patreon is making you a real a real business person. <laughs> I'm just thinking. I'll wait like, the NFT. Right? Exactly. I was thinking about it like Bitcoin or whatever. Stocks. Buying things with Britney's farts. No, not, for me. <laughs> not for me. All right, Jeff. How's, how was your Christmas, by the way? Your New Year and Christmas. It was. It was uh, highs and lows. The the highs were uh, that we. I spent. A lot, I spent some really good quality time with my family. The lows are. My wife got mandated back to work after you know after some vacation time, and and she's having some time taken away from her because. You know, her whole hospital, half the staff is out with coronavirus. So mm. it's got, we, I spent a lot of, we spent a lot of time doing as much as possible to have a good time, lots of good food. We went to see an amazing Jasper Johns show that was just like, we had such a good time just talking about art and talking about Jasper Johns. And my wife is very, very smart uh, when it comes to, I mean, she's not doing fart jokes about Britney Spears, but <laughs> she is, she is, she can talk about, she can talk about art. So it's, 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 uh, it was a lot of fun. We it was a great show, and we just kind of whipped into the city, came back, and we kind of knew that like things are going to get you know tight, and things are tight. So we're it was good. We had a good time. My kid is back at home because the school's closed, and she's making do. And uh, you know it's 
we're going to be fine. But at the same time, it was like, uh, you know, it was nice. We had a lot of nice food. We had a lot of nice jokes. Uh, watched some TV, talked to some people, and, uh, you know, it was great. It was positive. Oh, the cool thing was is I... Um, I, I organized myself really well in December, so the last week I had kind of like four days of not having to do any projects that I was like committed to. Mm. So I rehabbed uh, my Peter Wright anvil after talking to uh, Chris Cash, Mount Phillip Metalwork. You guys have been sending me messages. Who do you guys talk about about re, you know old anvils and old tools? Mount underscore Philip underscore Metalworks. Go follow Chris Cash. He's got everything. So I talked to Chris for a little bit, and then I fixed this Peter Wright up that I mugged these people down the street for over the summer, and it's amazing. <laughs> and then I made a pair of tongs, and then I made a hammer, and it's actually the best hammer I've ever made by myself. Uh, John Sunset Forge uh, blanked me out a uh, piece of 1045, and I punched the hole, and I made this little kick-ass hammer that I'm really happy with. And then I used the hammer and the tongs and the, and the, and the, and the, and the, and the, and the anvil. And I made a, something to just finish the year off with. And it was kind of neat to nice. make the tools to make the things. And, and then yesterday, Allison and Tony came up. We had a little Christmas party, went over things, and it was really nice. We had pizza and champagne, which was oh, nice. a dynamite, a dynamite combination. A and, and I'm I'm going to give the only the, the first tip of the year for us is if you have the opportunity and the pizza in your area is not good, order a plain pie well done, a cheese pie, plain cheese pie. Order it well done. You will not be disappointed. You will make a mediocre pizza way better. Hmm. That's it, and that's all. I keep meaning to try KFC and champagne. Um, <laughs> Uh, Dave Grohl talks about it in his in his book, um, and whenever whenever they do a show, they always get KFC and champagne brought backstage afterwards, and it's that perfect combination of lots of fat, right. and then you know the sharpness of the champagne, and oh, I can taste David it. David Chang likes sure. a little caviar with the fried with the KFC, so mm. caviar too. You know, I know you Park Avenue Let Lockwood might not mind a little <laughs> bit of caviar on the, on that, on the legs, a bit of beluga leg. only, obviously. Oh, okay. obviously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how was your How was your Christmas and New Year's? Um, again, very quiet, and I think you know where the three of us are saying we had a quiet one. I think you know most of the world had a quiet one, but um, it was nice. So we're we're in this you know this rental place opposite our new house. Um, made it as Christmassy as possible for the kids. We had um, Amy's parents come over for lunch on the day. Um, it was nice. Yeah, the kids, you know, the, the, the kids just tra- trash the house. You know, you know, there's cardboard everywhere, their presents everywhere, and train tracks running around the house and all sorts. It was, you know, a proper sort of kids' holiday. Really nice. And uh, New Year, um, just very, very quiet. I, we were in bed way before midnight. Oh, yeah. Know, just, yeah. We're, 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 we've got this deadline where we're, you know, we've got to get this house finished. Um, our goal is, it was end of January, but now it's... Um, the 14th of February um, because obviously my wife is was is going to be dropping soon so we need to you know get this house ready so you know it's just it's been non-stop me over here then popping back for you know for dinner with the kids and put them to bed and then back over here working um, so I'm actually now in in our new house t- doing this podcast for the first time I'm in the well I'm in <laughs> the only room that is sealed and warm enough to do this is the kids on suite room so I'm in this tiny room which is going to be a bathroom but um it works. We've got a very good connect, uh, internet connection here. I'm really lucky. So, yeah, we're, we're good. Very exciting. But, um, yeah, 
that was that was my that was my sort of two three weeks really of Christmas. Um, just doing a lot of work on a house. Um, it's gone super cold here. We had like over Christmas, it was like, warm. It was t-shirt weather, which is you know unheard of. Um, but the last week has just gone Baltic, so it's, it's yeah. like minus six or seven now. Um, yeah, proper cold, but. You know, it is what it is. Um, days are getting, you know, longer now. That you know, we're starting to get, you know, lighter days. So you know, it's all things are looking up. Things are looking up. It's good. There you go. Very nice. There we go. Shall we um, listen to one of our sponsors? Tell us something really cool. Combat Abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. Do it now. Okay, let's do a question. Um, Just looking at our list here. Sugar Shack Forge with the first question of 2022. Shall I spend my money to insulate my new shop space, which is going to be five to ten grand, or should I just freeze my balls off for the rest of the winter? How big is that shop space? Five to ten grand to insulate. <laughs> I Jesus. Know, I mean, maybe he's like just standing outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, so it's, yeah. It's put up walls to build a shop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's just standing in the middle of the yard. Maybe I should insulate this place. <laughs> <laughs> Five to ten grand. My God. I think wow. building materials right now are fucking crazy expensive. Oh, I will not be surprised about if it. it was yeah. five to ten grand just for a tiny ass space. Jeez. When I wow. had my little shed, I didn't insulate it because I just felt like it was just not worth it. So I just kind of spent more money on, I had one, I had little kerosene heaters and I had little heaters to keep me warm. And I just kind of went with that until I could figure something out. And my shop now is insulated, but it's not, it's not warm unless I run the oil or unless I run the burner. And now I made a little extra money this year so i got half a tank of oil and uh Ooh, oh, a tank of oil. listen to Fuck, you dude Ooh. dude listen that fucking half a tank i had poor allison and, and tony tony turns to allison he's, when you come up make sure you dress warm he's like she says well doesn't he have heat and he's like yeah but he doesn't use it i'll, I'll hold on to a tank of oil i hold on to a tank of oil for a long time a long time, but it's and i have a little measuring i watch how my fart goes down and stuff like that oh but, my God. I would I would work on getting yourself some figure out a way to heat the play heat yourself and then work out the five to ten grand. Yeah, yeah. That, that seems ridiculous amount of money, but it's one of those things. Once once you do it, you're done for the rest of you know for the rest of your life. And I'm at that stage now with my workshop. So the the workshop's been sort of built out. Um, and we, just this week, I said the floor was fitted, so we went with the you know the checker plate flooring. Um, and it's like, you know, it's one of those things. It's a big expense, but once it's done, that that's done. You know, it's it's nothing worse than, you know, for example, the flooring, trying to change the flooring once your shop is up and running because you've got to strip the whole place out of it. It'd be ridiculous. Right. So, yeah, I think if it is a problem, yeah, just just get it done and just forget about it then. Sure. It's, you well, don't got to think about it again. Marekka, you're usually cold. There's a picture of you like wrapped up like from one of those like refugees in Siberia. He just, he just wears all his merch. That's all he does. It's no, all his I, merch. There's like one, the hat, like, the apron, the t-shirt. There's a picture of you wearing like a or like a, like a with a with a coat over not a coat. It was like a blanket over you. Yeah, like snow in the background. Right. How do you manage the cold? Uh, I have unfortunately, I don't have a great way to do that, and um, I think. What was key, like, so when I was in Connecticut, 
um, the, there was a giant, you know, the shop was 6,000 square feet. You, you know, we're not heating the whole shop and the whole shop is not insulated. What they did what though was make sure the office space, which was pretty small. It was like maybe shit. I don't know, maybe 200 square feet. They kept made sure that was well insulated and that was heated. And that's honestly having a place to warm up made such a difference. Um, even when, you know, when I used to work in Bob Kramer's shop, the, the warmest part place in the whole shop was the bathroom because uh, that's where he kept the ferric chloride and everything. He wanted to keep it at a specific temperature because it, it etches more actively at, you know, around 70 degrees, 65, 70 degrees. So even even in there, and he also kept the office warm. But if I needed to warm up real quick, I would go dive into the bathroom and take a quick piss or something like that just to thaw out for a couple minutes um, before heading back out the shop. Jar up a quick fart. Yep. Oh, you fucking beat me to it. I was about <laughs> Good one. There's a rack of jars in the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Rebecca, where are you going? Well, Bob, I'm about to jar up some farts. <laughs> uh, but I think, so my long-term plan is I do have kind of like an office finish room area here at my shop. And I, I think it would only take a couple hundred dollars to isolate it and make that kind of my isolated room, whether it's in the summertime trying to stay cool or if it's in the wintertime trying to stay warm it's i think it's better to have just a small space dedicated to staying warm or staying cool rather than the whole space uh just because it's just like you know five ten thousand dollars to insulate an entire shop uh i think that's a it's a little much so i would just focus on maybe a smaller space a dedicated smaller space where you like your bathroom where you can jar up your farts in warmth and comfort I used to I, back back in the day in, in the late '90s when I had my shop in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. I used to wear a uh, we we were always cold, and we actually had like a wood burning stove that we would like huddle around, and. I actually would wear like a like a ski mobile outfit with like a Carhartt ski mobile outfit, and I'd and if I farted in that thing, it was like it was a little bit of extra heat in the in the suit but now now Hot that i have suit. it was like i was legitimately yeah it was like it's like with you know in the wetsuit a wetsuit is you you know you, you get a little water in there and your body warms the water up and that's how the, you stay warm now that i have a heater i'm far more efficient in a and i'm not talking like a balmy 70 something if i have the place at 62 degrees I'm far more efficient and I don't have to wear long johns. I don't have to wear all the layers and I'm not like freezing my fingers off and I'm not wearing, if you're comfortable, you might be more efficient. And I, yeah. I now that I'm at this age and I'm like, if, you know, I've, I earned this heat and <laughs> I'm going to fucking use it. I'm way more efficient. I'm way more efficient with, with, with a, in a warm space in the winter. Sure. Yeah. And I think that goes further than just being warm. I think if you make your, work environment i think jeff maybe disagrees with me here but if you make your work environment comfortable yeah. you're more inclined to want to be there and get stuff done no fucking couches no tvs none of that bullshit just you know fucking stand up no sitting no no treats <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> i had the champagne and the pizza in the shop 1939 <laughs> and the pizza and the champagne yeah, i was just shit. like this goes against all my ethical situations <laughs> i shouldn't be drinking champagne and fucking eating pizza in the shop what an outrage ah <laughs> uh, five to ten grand though jeez tell you what you could do get some heat in your shop and save money you ready for this yeah. Knife talk is sponsored by even heat the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available to find your next oven 
go to knifetalk.net forward slash heat and that will take you to Soul Ceramics who are a distributor of Even Heat um, and you'll get $75 off off the oven that you choose which they'll get built for you and get shipped to you with free shipping in the States too so yeah knifetalk.net forward slash heat or just follow the link in the description to the show you're going to get a little bit of heat in your place and you're going to save some money <laughs> and and just just to follow the whole thing through, I was showing um, Allison yesterday how we heat treat, and I was using my even heat oven. And then after I pulled the last knife out, I kept the door open. And she goes, "Oh, when it's cold, you can just keep the door open in the even heat." And I was just like, <laughs> oh "Yeah, God. you sure could get that electric bill going." And she was like, "Oh, exactly. it's so warm." She was cuddling up to the to, you know sixteen hundred degrees of, of heat. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Who wants to take the next? Oh, I'll take it. Uh, this one comes from Tradition Knives. He says, or they ask, are there ways to buy large stabilized pieces of wood or ways to keep the price of buying stabilized scales down without doing it yourself? What do you guys think? Not doing it yourself, um, but keeping the price low. Yeah, large stabilized pieces of wood. Um, if you find like a wood turner, uh, you know, a supplier who, you know, supplies people who turn wood, bowls and that kind of thing. Um, I've seen them quite often have big, big blocks. Um, but that kind of stuff, it really need, does need to be done well because stabilizing to get right to the core of that, you know, bigger block um, is going to take a lot more pressure. Um, so, yeah, try maybe a wood turners, but don't think about getting huge, huge pieces because the likelihood is the middle probably isn't going to be stabilized as well as you think it should be. Sure. Yeah, that's the only That's uh, actually something that um, Toby Morell over at... Uh Toby uh, Fire and Steel does does a, he does a lot of uh, stabilizing talk, and he t- says that most people aren't doing it right because we're not you know spending enough time doing the stabilizing. And th- I most likely agree with him in terms of like those big thick ones are probably not the best situation. I, I wouldn't. I actually had some double dyed um, wood that I thought was going to be red with a little bit of yellow. And then when I cut into it, it was all yellow. And it was very clear mm-hmm. that the red didn't go all the way through, didn't mm-hmm. penetrate. And I think that you got to be real careful, like Craig was saying, those big blocks might not be their best move. Right. One thing is, is and this is not no, no affiliation with us, but K&G, which is like the gold standard of the United States, you can send them wood and they're, gonna, they're going to stabilize it and they charge by the pound. So like, and when I say by the pound, it's like it, you, they weigh it beforehand and then they dry it and then they stabilize it and they weigh it afterwards and then they charge you for the distance, for the difference. Mm-hmm. And it isn't crazy. So if you want to get stuff stabilized, I mean, they do a great job. So, and um, I know, I don't know anybody who's has, uh, has had said one bad thing about KNG, but, um, I would probably stay away from big blocks and then slice yeah. them down like a pepperoni or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jeff said exactly basically what I was going to say. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Um, <laughs> Jarring farts, taking them away from me. <laughs> fart jars away from you. Uh, yeah, I, I would. I, I personally would never trust a giant block that has been quote-unquote stabilized um i think the key is sourcing your own material to keep the prices down and then sending it to somebody else uh so you'll have to do the sourcing and like uh breaking down the material yourself which isn't really that horrible the the really important part is the stabilizing and i honestly i 
I have better things to do with my time and I would more than happily send it to KNG who has made it their business <laughs> to create an optimized system for stabilizing. And I, you know, when I was in, um, when I was in Dragon's Breath Forge, we would send out medium, I think they were the medium size or large size, uh, ship, uh, flat rate shipping boxes. And, you know, we'd get 60 blocks in there. And if you think about the an average block costs around 30 to 40, maybe even $50 nowadays, um, we were getting that wood stabilized. We bro- I mean, we broke it down. We got it sourced ourselves. We broke it down. We let it just hang out in the shop and dry out. And then we'd box it up and send it out. Um, but after they got back, the average cost after being stabilized was like $5 a block. And yeah. that, that price is fucking hard to beat. Um, yeah. yes, it takes time because you want to, you want to do the seasoning properly. You don't want to just rush through that. Cause you'll end up getting some, um, fucking bananas for pe- uh, pe- bananas of wood <laughs> after the stabilization. It's- and also Kenji actually does a good job making sure it's like to check the moisture. Cause they won't just take it and stabilize it. Cause it's bad for their system too, for, uh, excess moisture to be within their kind of stabilizing process. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, it takes a little time, but it's, it saves you so much money. That's a very good point because they're in Arizona, and when I was talk, I originally got uh, wood barrels stabilized from them, sure. and I was trying to figure out how I would, what kind of, what kind of material, how do I send the material out, and then I basically made uh, thicker sets of scales, like thicker, mm. way thicker than I was going to use. Mm. And then they said that they were just going to put it in their attic. They're like, we're in Arizona. We're, we'll just put it up in the attic and it dries out in a, in a day because it's like so dry out there. Sure. And then I, I made sure that I had enough material that it was like a thick scale. I think I'm, each one was probably like, I want to say less, a little bit less than half an inch thick. And then I could I, account for any cupping or any kind of bananas. And it was it was a very, very easy job. And I didn't have a lot of waste. So that's great. Yeah, that's the move. It's good. And then the, you also guys, professional people will tell you how they want the material. They'll, they'll tell you how they want the wood. So yeah. And the other thing is, is everyone gets a little crazy about the money and stuff like that. But I mean, if you're going to turn it around anyway, I mean, what's the, you know, you're going to pay 30 bucks for a block or 30 bucks for a set of scales or 40 bucks. I mean, what's the big deal? Just charge your, charge them, charge them double. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Fleetwood Knives. Jeff, you want to do this one? Hey guys, this is Fleetwood, Fleetwood Knives. Hey guys, I have a question. Is it morally wrong to order uh, ready-made Damascus and put your maker's mark on the blade? Uh, when you don't make the Damascus yourself, are you currently not capable of doing so? Obviously, most of us don't make their own Damascus steel, uh, but the patterns are a major element of the visual design of the blade. Happy New Year. When I have Damascus made by Bob Rankin, I put my maker's mark on it and I, but I'm very clear with the, I'm very clear with the customer that I didn't make the, the Damascus. Yeah. Yeah. I think I mean, that's key, right? It's just, I mean, it's simple it, transparency. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And just, we all have websites or, you know, socials or whatever. So whenever it's on there, you just mention that, you know, see, I don't think you need to put their maker's mark on it as well, yeah. unless it's a, a collaboration of sorts. But yeah, make it clear somewhere. Yeah. I mean, if you get I mean, steel from like Damas Steel, are you not going to put your maker's mark on it? Of course you are. Does Damas Steel yeah. need to get their maker's mark put on it? No. Like it's just it's just a material they make and sell for people to yeah. use and 
you know, whoever stabilizes the wood, are they going to get their names laser engraved into the handle material uh, for you to yeah. feel good? No, I don't think that's necessary at all. I think transparency. And I think is 100% use use that good. as a selling point too. Use it as a yeah. selling point because. I, I assume you're not going to the shittiest maker you can find and buy an air Damascus. You're going to somebody right. who you respect and who makes good stuff. So that's the selling point of what you're doing. Absolutely. And even going to, you know, as you say, with, with Dharma Steel, we all know they make great stuff. But, you know, that's a selling point when you come to list the knife. You know, this is made with Dharma Steel. And, and by the way, if you do want to get some Dharma Steel, you can get 10% off. If you, if you use the promo code KNIFETALK, um, so when you log into your Dharma Steel account, make your purchase, use the promo code KNIFETALK, and you'll get 10% off. It's great stuff. Why not? Smooth. Yes. Wow. That's a fucking squeaker. Squeaker right in the jar. <laughs> Squeak. <laughs> that one right in the- Squeak that one right in the jar. Close it up tight. We're done. It's another $300. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> That's jarred farts all day long, baby. That's the Knife Talk 2022. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay God. where are we do we have any more dilemmas then jeff oh I, we have great we have great dilemmas we're going to be doing yeah. some new bits in the future guys if you want to start to send me good news bad news i said it and they all be for view like i thought about like i'm working out i'll have an example next week for you guys but like the good news is and then the bad news is so basically it's almost like a rorschach test where the first thing that comes to your mind, pros and cons of something, the situation, and we'll do that later. But now we have tough scenarios. You guys sent me some awesome tough scenarios after the All Be Review that were to answer honestly or phony. And this one, first one comes from Eliuk Knives. Eliuk Knives. Here's a dilemma slash question. I just got done making a Bowie knife for a new customer. It was a custom order from months ago. We agreed on the exact blade profile, length, Damascus pattern. This was one of Morocco's Maelstrom patterns. He must be a Patreon guy, by the way. I would hope. He better be a Patreon so. guy. Just telling you. Uh, handle mat- just kidding. Everybody relax. Uh, handle material, etc. The person ended up even choosing to have the custom initial, his custom initials etched onto the blade. I had sent the progress for pictures from the moment I started, and they were happy with it all along the way, even to the final glue-up. They were happy with the progress pictures. The next now, the knife is now 100% finished. They claim to be unhappy with the exact blade profile. They oh, did what? give a partial deposit on the knife upon ordering, and I'm not sure exactly what to do here. Leaning more towards saying, go kick sand if they, if they don't like it, since they approved the blade profile all along. What should we do? <sighs> if they've approved sucks. it and they've been happy all the way along. <laughs> They're, they're they're on the hook for it, surely. Yeah, but if I mean, um, you can't for you can't show up to a guy's house with a baseball bat and say, "Pay for the rest <laughs> of his knife." No, well, if he doesn't want, he doesn't want to. He's lost. In my opinion, he's he's lost his deposit. Then, if that was the case, 100%. that's what I'd say. Um, but the issue you've got is that you've you've put his name on the blade. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it requires you know refinish it and all the rest of it. But uh, yeah, I, I, we talked to this kind of thing before. Give them a deadline and say, look, the knife's yours if you want it. You know, I'll hold it for you know a month six weeks or whatever um and it, and if if you're not you know forth come in and pay in and and having it well I'll, I'll i'll sell it onwards but you lose your deposit this is why terms and conditions are key when you're doing this shit and just it doesn't even have to be complicated and there's stuff out there already that you can kind of use as a template but it helps avoid this kind of fuckery or at least give you some sort of support when you're like okay cool well these are the terms you agreed to and you're not following through and so we're done um and i mean ultimately you can decide if you want to give that deposit back but that's 
You spent all that time, you put somebody's name on it, you don't even know if necessarily you're going to be able to turn around and sell it. Hmm. And so what, are you supposed you to be out that a, time? Do you think this could be a play by the guy? He just wants a discount now, do you think? Uh, I think either discount or they, they might be trying to weasel their way out of the fucking commitment. I think they're bad back. people out there. I think there are yeah. people out there who make, who consistently try to, I think that there are people in this world, number one, always feel the need to have to have a deal. Like I know a guy, I've actually talked to another friend of ours about the same guy who, you know, <laughs> squeezed me and he's squeezing him. And he there's, there's certain people who behave in this manner. Um, the hard part is, is, you know, this, this isn't just happening to knife makers. This happens from, to all businesses oh, yeah. Yeah. that aren't like, buy it now, and then you get the product. You know, it's like, you can, obviously, you can't go to the supermarket and, and like bring your whole thing and say, you know, I want to only pay for half of it. So you have to figure something out. But there are people out there who are shitty. I mean, they're just like, they have no, they have, or, or maybe something happened. Maybe he had like a, I had a guy who, <laughs> we had a guy who, who bought an oyster knife, you know, under $200 oyster knife. And he sent a message to Tony saying, listen, I need to get the money back. I was in a car accident. And Tony says, this oyster knife is going to help you. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll give you your money back. And he's just like, yeah, he got in a car accident. He wanted his money back. I'm like, um, what's, for what? But you know, two band aids at the hospital. I mean, what is he? People are bad. There's some people who are bad, right? And that's crazy yeah. to think like <laughs> that he that that customer felt comfortable reaching back out to you and saying, "I need my money back." You know, why don't you, why don't they go back to the fucking electronics store where they bought their TV and return their TV? Or I mean, do they? What if? It's just amazing to me that somebody thinks they can do that when you basically can't do that anywhere else. And really, you shouldn't be able to do that with custom-made work. You can return things. You can return things if, you know, if, or you can put... You, Not because you people, got in a fucking people, car accident. <laughs> well, people go to... That's why, that's why people go to pawn shops. It's not oh because they, maybe they can't get their TV money back from wherever, but they can, you know, get money back at the pawn shop. Okay. People make decisions and then they don't make good ones sometimes. And then, all, or somebody, you know, and then all of a sudden, who knows? This guy could have said to this guy, hey, hey, to my wife, hey, listen, look at the knife I just bought. What do you mean the knife you just bought? And like, we're supposed <laughs> yeah. to fix this dishwasher or we're supposed to fix the water heater. And what are you doing? And oh, don't worry, I'll get out of it. You better get out of it. And next thing you know, it's like, you know. Sending somebody I some think, bo- a bondo to cover the name on this fucking knife. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of it is we spend a lot of time as not just knife makers, but anybody who sort of makes stuff, trying to sort of tell our story and you know and so, you know put put extra value into it by doing that. And I think when we're doing that, we're putting across then that we're almost friends of these people you know they, they seem to know a bit about us because we're trying to tell our story right. and all the rest of it. So when it then comes to oh you know I can just speak to him, we're you know we're good. I can speak to him. I can get a refund or whatever it'll be, you know, because they think they sort of know you kind of thing, because that's what we spend time doing. So maybe that's it. That sort of relationship that we foster creates this kind of mentality where, you know, we're buddies. But at the same time, this happens all the time. I was talking to somebody who works at at a Home Depot and they basically have an allotted amount that they know is going to get stolen and they're cool with it. They're cool with how, you know, they know that some of their customers are shitty or the fact that here's another thing, you know, what contractors do, they'll get the fucking, they'll get all the stuff from Home Depot, they'll do the job and then they'll bring the, the extra back. 
that they knew that they weren't going to use. That happens all the time. Every contractor I know does that. They buy the goddamn shop up. They finish the job, and then the next day, they have a truckload of stuff that they return. And then it's returned, and they get their money back, and it's restocked. And all of a sudden, they have they have the parts that they need, but they didn't use them, so they return them. I mean, that, that shit happens all the time. Wow. What a scam. I'm sure oh, well, it's not a scam. working on this house are doing the same thing. Well, it's not a scam. I mean, it's like, if you're a plumber and you need like, who, you know, all the goddamn junction, you know, whatever. This isn't, I'm not, I'm not Chris Zepp. I don't know the, the names of your to the street junction or whatever the fuck they're called. And you need like all these different parts. You're gonna go, you, you can't just go back to the Home Depot every five minutes. You just buy the joint, you buy the, buy the whole plumbing department up, load the truck up. And then when you're done, you just bring it all back. But are they billing the customer for this? So then they're taking it back. No, they're not billing the customer. Up. They're not. Ah, I don't. Okay, I would, okay. Some of them aren't. Okay. But I, I just know that I've been on jobs with contractors. And we're buying a. I'm like, oh my god, we need all this stuff. How long are we gonna be on this job? Like, no, no, no. We just return the shit that we don't use. Hmm. So they return okay. it. Fair enough. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Where are I we? An, I have a good dilemma from Uncle Sam Metalwork. Uncle Sam Metalwork. This is a good one. Here's a dilemma. What length? What lengths? Would you go through to help a customer hide a purchase? I had someone ask me to send a knife to work. I can see that's, uh, that, and it's fine with it. Had, um, had one ask to write a letter saying that he wanted in a raffle to hide the purchase. What oh, are the boy. lengths you've gone to hide a purchase? Uh, do, you know, do you understand? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I haven't done anything like that myself. Nobody's asked for that kind of thing. Um, but there's there's a particular guitar shop that I use online when I buy guitars and stuff, and they offer a service where <laughs> they'll they'll put they'll give you like a fake invoice of less amount, you know, so, so you can show the wife when it arrives. Uh, <laughs> well, are you kidding me? That's hilarious. No, no seriously, seriously. So wow. your, your wife um, gets the dummy ones. Exactly. Yes. Well, I, 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 whoa, whoa. Just to be fair, I don't do this, but they yeah, offer this right. as a service. <laughs> yeah, right. Half off. Oh my god. That is so fucking funny, dude. Yeah. God, because they're gonna move those guitars. Yeah. Yeah, and it is generally guys buying them, and they don't want their wife knowing how much they're spending on these bloody vintage <laughs> guitars. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, but no, I've never. I've, it's never happened to me. No, no customer has ever come to me and said, you know, can you not tell? So, you know, you get the occasional. You know, it's a gift. So you know, can we make sure the invoice is emailed to me rather than you know put with the chip and all the rest of it? But um, not you know not trying to sort of hide the price now. Interesting. What have I ever? Have you ever done anything like that, Morocco? Yeah, I think I. I don't think I've knowingly done it, but I've definitely had customers. <laughs> ask to have knives shipped to their place of work uh and it never even crossed my mind that they might be trying to like hide the purchase <laughs> or something like that but now it makes me wonder but no i've never i've never uh, and i honestly i don't i i don't think i'd feel very comfortable going to any lengths to help them cover it up I, i'll have i'll ship it wherever they want to ship it but I'm not. I'm not writing them a, a letter of congratulations. You won this in a raffle, kind of thing. Oh, yeah. yeah, that is pretty tricky. That is mm. pretty tricky. I, I, it's hilarious. I mean, for me, like any time I send something to a business, it's always because I think that they're afraid there's just going to be left on their doorstep. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and somebody's going to be able to accept it. Accept it. That's a funny question. I don't think I've ever had to do something like that, I, except for like it, when I had to do sculpture. 
I had when I was sending sculpture as like gifts. I mean, I'm sending this giant box, and we had to like send it somewhere else because all of a sudden somebody's like, "What the fuck is this?" You know, you don't want somebody to find out th- about that if it's a surprise. But I think it's just a funny, funny thing. I would imagine that it probably is. That there are a lot of stories out there of people yeah. like hiding their purchases from someone. That's funny. Hmm. Not to sound like a like a crazy YouTuber, but any listeners who've got some fun stories, let us know. Stick them in the comments, as they say. Uh, that's funny. That's fu- I was about to say, not to sound like a crazy YouTuber, let's do a anvil restoration video. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I love those guys. Oh, speaking of which, shout out to Chris Cash and the guys at That Works. They did an amazing uh, restoration of a bridge anvil from the Center for Mental Arts. It's definitely a very good, it's not like a flashbang, whoop, you know, sword thing. It's a beautiful uh, historic restoration of an anvil. It's really, really cool. So shout nice. out to those guys. Nice. Uh, this one comes from Walker Knife Company. So I was snow blowing my driveway, listening to Knife Talk, and after the most recent episode, ended my podcast app. Uh, my podcast app switched to an unfinished episode of from 2019. It was number 68 to be exact. It picked off where I left unfinished? off. Unfinished? How dare you? Get just keep your trap shut. Keep those farts closed. <laughs> because I'm about to fucking finish up with you. Um, to be exact, it picked up where I left off with Craig talking about how he recently chopped half his finger off. After mm. a bit of moaning, he sadly proclaimed my guitar days are over. Yet today he's a rock star. <laughs> Which Craig do we believe? Was he just digging for sympathy? Or was this his, or, or is this, uh, this new rock and roll life all lies? What's going on with that? What happened to your finger? I remember that. I it actually helps. That. It actually it actually helps. So it's my index finger of my left hand, which is my, any guitarist would know, it's your fretting finger, I suppose, on, on a fretting hand at least. Um, it, it seemed far worse than it was when it happened. So it took maybe a quarter inch off. Um, yeah, six, seven millimeters off. Um, and now my finger has almost like a, a point to it. Um, but where, where did it sort of come off? So you imagine, you know, an angle taken off the end of your finger right um that skin now is completely hard so any guitarist will know you get these like hardened pads on the end of your fingers (laughs) i've actually got like a your bone you're pushing down with your bone basically it's not my bone it it is my finger it is my finger but it but it's it's there's no there's no feeling to it it's it's you know it's it's like hard dead skin um and it's just a bit of a funny shape but um yeah it doesn't affect playing guitar thankfully and if anything it maybe helps yeah. There you go. Yeah. Dilemma solved. He has no failing in his bone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In my that's nose it. picker. That's it on the that's it on the dilemmas. Would you have right. listener okay. feedback though if you wanted that? Oh, okay. Okay. Phone it in. Phone it in. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, this is Knife Talk. Complaints Department, how can I help you? Hi, this is Dan O'Brien Knives. I just want you to know that the audio quality and the level was spot on with all the, with the All Beef Review. Keep up the good work and we appreciate the show. Happy Holidays. Thank you, Dan O'Knives. We appreciate the call. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. uh, he, uh, he also sent me a nice message about the new episode of the Full Blast podcast with Josh Radner, which was a smash success. So, Big yeah. celebrity guests. Dude, I was so tired from that interview because I spent a lot of time preparing. I watch all the goddamn movies and listening to songs and listening to his interviews. And it was a lot of fun. And it was very interesting hearing him talk about what it's the good and the bad of being on the TV show, How mm-hmm. I Met Your Mother. And that was kind of neat. And he said some pretty interesting things. And it was actually a lot of fun. But, uh, so what I was wanted, the deal? You were, in, you were in college together. Yeah, we were on the same in, like, take we were, the same class, and yeah. yeah, we were on the same we were in the same dormitory, uh, with different floors, but we had the same friends. And he was a freshman when I was a freshman. He's a great so guy. Where did it all go wrong for you? <laughs> what are you talking? I mean, about five minutes ago when I started reading the listener feedback. Clearly, I mean, I mean, you, I don't know, I mean that time it went wrong when I started. You were given realize, the same opportunity. What happened to you? I mean, I didn't realize I could jar my farts, and if it did that. In 1996, I'd have been like, "What the f- podcast? I don't need to do that." <laughs> I mean, no problem. But uh, yeah, you know, he's a he's a he's a he's this great guy, and he he was on. Uh, it was interesting because I think a lot of people with actors, a lot of people think they're just like found in a mall. This dude like <laughs> went to college and he got a master's at NYU, and he went to conservatories, and he was a real like I mean a real actor, and he was on Broadway with. Um, uh, with uh, Kathleen Turner and The Graduate and he was a real actor and then he got this part and you know that's what they do I didn't realize that like these actors in New York they all they all take turns getting on these like you know Law and Order shows and they'll, you know mm. a, a, these parts and then he just got this he got a, he done a number of pilots and then he just got on this smash success and it it's the good and the bad of how it's affected him is kind of interesting mm. so no yeah, I haven't quite finished. I've listened to most of the show. I haven't finished it yet, but it, it's, he comes across as a really nice guy. Yeah, he's a good dude. You know, the thing is, is I learned a lot about interviewing people, and the key is to make them comfortable. And I wanted to ask questions like, what's it like dating? Was it, you know, dating Marissa Tomei? And I just, like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to fuck the whole thing up and make him pissed. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of make it him more interested in blah, blah, blah. All right, so the next question, the next uh, listener feedback is from our friend KLB. KLB's the man. Uh, cheers for another awesome year. P- knife Talk is always great to listen to the three of you wackos. Happy holidays. And then uh, 
John, it seemed to go down well. The old beef review seemed to go down well with dude, people, I think. How yeah. much fun was that? How much good. fun was, was the all beef review? Yeah. God damn. That is, I, I, well, I think the first time we did it, I said to you, like, we should do that every six months. And you're just like, nope, we're not doing it every six months. And you're right. You were right. You were right. Uh, John Conkey says, I want to thank you for, number one, the second to last show of the year. Having all those helpful hints makes me crave for your next show. Getting t- tidbits to improve and make things faster and better is awesome. Uh, your last show, the All Beef Review, is a blessing. It's good to hear you guys laugh. I have my vacuum, my grinder going while I'm listening to you guys. Thank you. We love, the, we love you guys, and we need... And uh, I have a need to take you guys on our daily adventures. And we love to indulge in your shows. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Thank you very much, John. And uh, Merry Christmas to you, too. And yeah, nice people had nice things to say. We don't need hmm. right Any how. bad things this week? Uh, no. I mean, you know, we, as, I mean, no, no. Everything's, everyone was cool. Everyone, you know, like even the people who were like, you know, prickish about the audio were like, you know, <laughs> were cool at the end. They're like, you fixed it. Or you fixed it. Like, All right. I told you we were going to fix it. So. Yeah. So, okay. Good. Let's let's go back to a couple of questions then. Right. Uh, Basil Zervis has said, um, for new or beginner blade blacksmiths, where do you look to get good anvils and hammers whilst also not breaking the bank? Hmm. Good anvils and hammers without well, hammers aren't bank. expensive. I mean, hammers. I mean, even the people that we know that make hammers, John Ariani, Cliff Dufton, Ben Snoor. Uh, the Center for Metal Arts, uh, they make hammers. Uh, we have a lot of friends who make hammers, and ro- I think the Royalty Forge and a couple other guys make Hilltop. hammers. Hilltop. The, yeah. the, none of them are crazy. None of, I mean, if you no. find a hammer that you're going to use for, the, for, the, for a long, long time, they're not going to go bad. I mean, it's not like buying fish, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not, it's not, you get yourself a good hammer, and then it'll make you enjoy doing it more, you know? One hundred percent. Yeah, and the anvils. Well, anvils. Number one, you just got to keep your eyes open. I, I, that you hear. I hear stories of price per pound, and it just makes me want to. I had a vision of like Wiley Coyote then keeping his eyes open because an anvil was going to fall on him from a cliff top or something. Wiley Coyote must be like man. (laughs) Matt's Andrew Alexander's Wiley Coyote. Wiley Coyote getting all his anvils from. Andrew Alexander, because it's like, it's unbelievable, but you got to keep your eyes open and, you know, and also don't get, be a sucker and fall for this price per pound bullshit because the price per pound, I hear people talk about price per pound. It's not, it's not correct. If you, if you have to see the anvil and you have to know what you're looking at and you have to know what you're going to do. Like if you're not going to, if you don't need the horn, then don't worry about if the horn's fucked up, you don't have to, you know, it's not a big deal. But if you're going to, I just think that people get a little bit too crazy on price per pound. And it's the anvil is based, it's based on the anvil, yeah. not exactly price per pound. For sure. Yeah, I, I hate that shit. Well, and also our sponsor, Texas Ferry Supply, actually has their own line of anvils. Because, oh, wow. Did you guys know that? Yeah, of I course. Didn't. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at their website right now. It looks like it's about five bucks a pound for a hundred pound anvil, which is an investment, but that thing's going to hold its value. Uh, and yeah. it's like, just like the hammers that you're talking about, like those things are going to, they're, they're going to outlive you. So, I mean, the, the, the anvil I have is like 200 years old. So you just gotta take the time, invest well, and it's going to last. 
What's what's the address of that website, uh, Mareko? It's TexasFarriersSupply.com. And when you go to check out, make sure you throw in Knife Talk 10 to save yourself 10%. As well as when you're buying along with your anvil, get yourself some sandpaper. The best sandpaper in the world. Yeah, the best sandpaper in the world. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on, man. I I just thought Craig was going to tighten it up because I wasn't planning this. (laughs) But... The best sandpaper for sanding blades, especially, is Rhino Wet, the red line made by Indasa USA, which you can also get at Knife or <laughs> Texas Farrier Supply. I almost said Texas Knife Supply, uh, but TexasFarriersSupply.com. Again, when you go to check out, make sure you put in Knife Talk Ten, and you'll save yourself ten percent. There we go. It's hard to be. There we go. And okay. last but not least, stop being so cheap. Everybody with don't break the bank. Get yourself something good and then use it. And otherwise, yeah. you're gonna, you know, you're gonna get something cheap and you're not gonna like it. So stop it. Yeah, makes sense. I wonder how Basil many service. Oh, you did. Sorry, that. go on, go on. I was just gonna say, I wonder how many people have done that. They've like invested in shitty tools, and, and they start trying to get into knife making or blacksmithing, and they're like, "This fucking sucks. This is lame. This is too hard. This is bullshit." When really they're just using the wrong fucking tools or crappy tools to try to get the job done. There is, there is, I know that uh, Bob Menard from the NEB, the New England Blacksmiths, Mm -hmm. had found these inexpensive anvils from like, uh, he brought them to Maker Camp. And they're perfectly usable. I mean, they're perfectly usable, inexpensive anvils. I'm sure you could do that, or you could probably stumble onto one. You know, it's like... But I remember when I got into fly fishing, because I loved fishing in general, and then I was just like, I'm not going to buy the most expensive gear, and I bought the cheap stuff, the beginner, the entry-level shit. Mm. And I loved fly fishing so much, but once I got better at it and I got a better set, the, the, the first kit I bought, I was like, this thing fucking sucks. I, I, I wish I didn't buy it, because it like it was just almost wasteful. So when you, mm. you know... What is the expression? Make it hurt once, or something like that. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> what is what is this, what are these goddamn expressions? Buy it, once, yeah. and, you know, hurt it twice. Buy know. once, hurt once. Yeah. <laughs> no, buy once. I, oh fuck! We all know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, just fart in a jar. You know, sell some of your farts in your jar and get yourself an anvil. It's probably like for you, it might be like a hundred fart jars. We'll get you a nice anvil or something. <laughs> There we go. There we go. Um, if Chris Zepp is selling any anvils, he may accept fart jars. As payment <laughs> yeah, I know. You know those guys. <laughs> message him. Message guys. him. You may well do it. You know those guys are doing NFTs of fart jars. They love it. They love a fart jar. All those guys over at the Handmade Podcast, they accept <laughs> fart jars for, for service, for sure. <laughs> Uh, okay, Nikos Kalu, I think his name is. Um, I'm making a 1070 Gyutu. I want to do a force patina on it. Uh, what grit are you hand sanding before the patina? Thank you. Um, 1070 force patina. Uh, I don't do many force patinas because I don't really do many carbon steel knives now. They're virtually all stainless. But um, what I think a lot of people don't realize is a patina is like it's like a it's almost like a moving goalpost. It's not you know it's not mm. set and forget. This thing is is always always changing. Um, so personally, if I were to do one again, I'd I'd hand sand right down as if it was, as if I wasn't putting a patina on it. Exactly because that patina isn't isn't a permanent thing. It's you know it's let's like say it's a moving goalpost. It's always changing. So 
start start with a good base. That's what I'd say. Yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing. I would hand sand it as though there wasn't going to be a patina. So probably up to at least a nice solid satin 600 or 800 uh, grip finish before working the patina. I think some people, when they do some sort of coating or patina or something on the surface, they think they get to cheat the finish. But I don't. I think that's a bad move. You, you, that's not how you get people glow. You don't get glowing reviews and word of mouth from people being like, you know, I cleaned that fucking patina off, and there's bullshit underneath there. So don't stop cheating. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, that's it. You just finish the knife the way you normally would, and then hit the pit or the patina. That's what I do. Uh, always, all the time. Always. We've got, we've got a cross cross podcast question. I think the next Ooh. one. Uh, Tom Scott has said your talk with Fingal was awesome, and his worldview is great. I think he's talking about your podcast, Jeff. Well, um, which Fingal's was a, been which on was a podcast. great which was he has been he has been, but he sort of went into depth in your podcast, which is a great episode, by the way. I loved it. Um, but I might as well finish the question there. Um, and it says it got me thinking: um, what is it that makes a meal rather than just some food? Is it the people you share it with, the way it's prepared, the tools you use? Um, he said this could be a good discussion. I think he's quite right. Um, when you think of you know favorite meals they've had in the past, it's as as Tom says, it's not always you know about the food, is it? It's about all these things he's mentioned, the company and the the, the memories that that will bring bring back to you. Have you guys got like a favorite meal that you you think back to? Can you remember what the food was, I, or do you, do you remember where you were and who you were with? Sure, it's probably I, more than what you'd remember. I I'm can't. Just wondering. I can't think of one exactly, but I know the experiences I've always enjoyed the most is when we're just it's super low key, hanging out either out at the bar, outside in the barbecue, or inside the kitchen. You know, sitting there throwing back beers or glasses of wine or whatever, and everybody's hanging out, talking shit, or having fun telling jokes and making food and those those are always the best meals that i've ever shared with people and then we all sit down scarf some food and then hang out and do some more bs and whatever but um yeah those are, those have been mine i don't have like i said i don't have any specific one but um those yeah are, those are the kind yeah. of moments i enjoy the most for sure hmm. what about you jeff any sort of specific memories well, Stephanie oh. Motto's specific memory was right before <laughs> she went to the hospital for her farts. That was a, a final bean casserole that she'll ever have. Yeah. <laughs> that was a meal, ladies and gentlemen. That was a meal. Anything that sends you to the hospital, that's a memorable experience. <laughs> Actually, funny enough, this uh, Christmas and New Year's, we decided to eat differently. And our kitchen and, and dining room are in the same space room so i actually use your left hands instead of your right hands like for cutting or you know when you say eat differently <laughs> do you stand on your head what, what no i was serving one dish out at a time like i would cook a dish and we would eat, like almost like tapas not everything at yeah. the same time hmm. so we were doing uh, we did uh one for we did we were my kid is loves the goodfellas so we watched goodfellas and then i was doing the feast of the seven fishes which is this italian thing before christmas where you cook a you know every different fish or all these different fish so we were doing like courses and i was in the kitchen and then we i bring out a plate and we would all stop to eat it and watch the movie and i'd go back to cooking something else and that was a really fun experience and they were like what's coming next and it was like this really kind of a neat experience i used to love doing paellas because it becomes this i mean for parties it's just like this 
it's this amazing you're it's very communal and the key is is when they tell you how to make paella you have to make sure all your guests are there and you can't start until everybody's there and it was like you have everything prepared and it becomes this fun thing it's the same thing with grilling you know it's this beautiful event where you're sharing kind of community so Mm. and there's something about outdoors as well i mean those two you mentioned excuse me they're generally going to be outdoors with big gatherings of people and yeah, it just creates that atmosphere, doesn't it? You know, and you can you can smell it. You know, when you go back to that memory, you can almost smell it all. And I love it. I tell you, the best meal I've had in a long, long time was at my last hammer in at Mareka. I think you were here for that. Yeah. Where I had, I made paella and then uh, Steve Pellegrino bought these monster steaks, just oh, yeah. monster steaks. <laughs> and then uh, Racer Racks bought all the, brought all these sausages and friends were bringing all this food, all these knife makers were bringing all this stuff. And we, and John Ariani brought this giant, uh, just this huge grill that we just had. We were having on one side of the grill, we were making the steaks and the other side of the grill we're doing the paella and everyone was standing around having a good time and people were hammering and it was an amazing experience as a group you know because it wasn't just like hot dogs and you know marshmallows it was like this real they everyone kind of brought their a game it was a lot of fun that was great steve pellegrino can cook a fucking steak ladies and gentlemen no bullshit like a motherfucker he was tempering it and heating it up and it was the he was very high professional with him how how is Steve now? Do you know if you've spoken to him recently? I had him on the podcast and he's doing okay. I mean, cool. you know, he's doing okay. I think that he's he says he's stiff. And last we've heard he's stiff, but he's making it happen. He's recently married. Congratulations to Steve. And uh That's why he's, he's stiff. He's, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry. It's what did you say? Uh it's a, it's a dick innuendo joke really. But right. anyway, recently but, uh, married, you generally stiff a lot. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I got you. There you go. Out of boy. There we go. Whatever the best takes. jokes, the ones where you have to, the ones where you have to explain them <laughs> back. Hear you. The best jokes. I didn't hear you. If I'd heard you, it'd have been fine. But yeah, it was great. You know, that's an experience. You're with people and your friends, and then you're kind of making stuff together. It is really kind of that. That is communal yeah. environment is really great. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got one particular. So we were on a Greek island. A friend got married, and it was on this Greek island, and my wife and I went. And um, it, it was like a week and everybody was there. And you know what's like when there's lots of people, you, you don't have any time to yourself, you know? So one day we hired these like quad bikes, a few of us. My wife and I, we just like, we just head off on this quad bike. And I don't know if you know Greek islands, but generally they've got these beautiful, beautiful beaches. Then you'll go up over a hill, back down, and there'll be another beautiful beach. And this sort of circles the whole island. So we did this. We went up over the hill, down here, these stunning views. And there was this restaurant that was like out over the water. So there was like a rock, like a rockery bridge to walk over to it. You walked over to it. It's all overhanging the water. And they just, you know, there's no menus there. They just bring out whatever. And we had this massive like platter of seafood. And, you know, clearly just been caught there because you see all the fishing boats there as well. And I I just mentioned like the smell of things. When I think of it now, I I can still, you know, almost almost hear the birds and, you know, smell it all. It was so sort of visceral, all of your senses, you know. And yeah, those are are the best meals for me where all of your senses just overtake it. It's not just the food. And I couldn't, as I said, I couldn't tell you exactly what was on the seafood platter, but it was just the whole experience, you know, just beautiful. I tell you, last but not last, I mean, if you want to keep going with this, I used to go fishing with four or with three friends of mine. We used to go trout fishing not too far. About two hours uh, west of here is some of the best trout fishing of all time. And we did a lot of fly fishing, so we would we would go up for a couple of days. And um, 
we would find we would go and you know waders and backpacks and stuff and we'd camp and then we would hike up onto this you know almost like an island like you'd hike over this river to the island and then we start a fire and then we break out the you know beer and then we break out like sausages and stuff like that and we would have this you know we were sitting on this island and just in the middle of this river and just eating together and laughing and telling jokes and drinking beer and it was amazing it was just like oh that shit is the fucking best yeah mm. yeah yeah good friends good times that's what it's all about okay let's do another question Mareko, do you want to take the one from uh let's call it nav singh yeah this one is from nav singh he says hey fellas just started listening after watching you doing dci and really enjoyed this show impressive since i've never really gotten into podcasts had a cue had a question or had a question have you ever talked about sharpening uh, but from knife owner's perspective whetstones are the tried and true standard but i stumbled across the workshop ken onion with a blade grinding uh, attachment that can go to 10 degrees. Kitchen Knife Forums has pretty limited co uh, commentary on it, and the Reddit Chef Knives section has varying opinions. Would be interested to hear from makers uh, from a maker's perspective if this has validity or just shut up and stick to water stones. Okay, so mm. have you? Are you guys familiar with that? Uh, what is that? The Ready Sharp? No, no, I haven't seen one of them. No. What is it? No. It's like a tie. All right, so it's kind of like a um, or is it Bill Sharp? Bill Sharp, Ready Sharp. I can't remember. No, it's not Bill Sharp. <laughs> no, it's that's fucking Adam, right? It's not Adam. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's a it, it's a tiny little mobile sharpening system. Um, it's used for either personal setup or I've seen people um set up professional um deals for for using these for sharpening. Um. They, I think they're an interesting concept, but I think they lack some things that allow somebody uh, who is completely um, new to knife, or sorry, yeah, knife sharpening, um, like the level of consistency that I think you would want, because you basically still have to do everything freehand, and if you have zero experience, it's very easy to mess that up. Um, again, I think I think they're a neat idea, but I don't think they're perfect um i i think whetstones is a strong move especially if you're new to sharpening um because it removes material so slowly with grinders you can you can really fuck up a knife in half a second um and you just can't do that with knife sharpening so um uh, sharpening on stones. So, um, but what I've gotten to in my in this point in my career uh, is I start on a machine. I use my two by seventy two, and with that broad back with the uh, with a long platen, especially, um, it's really helpful for getting. I, I I like line the blade vertically up with the cutting edge, uh, um, or sorry, with the platen, and I and I sharpen at you know approximately ten fifteen degree angle on both sides, and then. I go from the broadback to some sharpening stones to finish the sharpening process. And, um, I get really consistent, really phenomenal, um, results. But before I, you know, started using the machine, I was only doing stone and it, yeah, it takes time. Um, but 
honestly, again, especially if you're new, um, it's, it's hard to mess things up on a stone and it's really, really easy to not only grind away way, maybe way too much material or get the angle wrong or whatever on a grinder, but, um, you could, you know, it's, if you're not familiar with it, it's easy to overheat the steel too and ruin the heat treat. And with a wet stone, that's not going to happen. Well, he's talking about it from a non-knife maker standpoint, like a, right, like a customer. customer point of view, so. Yeah, yeah I, I would suggest customers, and if they're really into it, try to get stones. But if you're, if you're not, um, just find a professional sharpener. Um, but if you really want to f- figure it out, I think stones is the way. And again, it's because it removes material so slowly, and it's, it's hard to screw up the heat tree and, you know, remove too much material or any of that kind of weird stuff uh, stones stones you, is a pretty safe way to do it what do you think of like those lansky systems and that kind of thing where it's you know a set that you can set the the angle of where the stones are so you're not like mm. i think that's the biggest fear a lot of people have is that you know maybe you have a nice damascus knife and then maybe your your angle isn't right and then right. you're gonna put a big ass scratch in your knife and sure those 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 Lansky systems where is that it's like where a you set clamp, angle you clamp the knife yeah and, you clamp and the it, knife yeah. and then it has like, like a, a rod that you right. yeah. Like, yeah there's a number of different ones that I know a lot of people you know, a lot of knife makers use because you do get the exact angle and it's still the the kind of wet stones absolutely actually yeah. I, I think I think those are great yeah I've got a Lansky set myself and um, I think if, if I mean, the bevel's already been set, obviously, because these are these these are these are end users, not makers. So the bevel's obviously already been set. Um, so they're great for that kind of thing, and, and you know, touching things up. Um, but personally, I'd, I'd say it's more about education, so they don't get to the point where they need yeah. a full sharpen. Right. Um, you know. So you know, I've talked about it a lot in the past, but you know, I've got this. <laughs> I've got a huge rod, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> but it's it's like a two three inch thick. <laughs> maybe 12 inches long um, ceramic rod and um, just touch it just you know just touching the blade up on that occasionally it just keeps things razor razor sharp so it's about making sure it doesn't get to the point where it actually needs a sharp and you just hone in the edge each time Um, but you know I, I can't see many people at home having you know like a Lansky system which they're going to clip onto their bench and they're going to you know not you know, most people are not going to be doing that. So, yeah, maybe maybe get a one of those you know one of those king stones. You know, where there's maybe sure. five hundred on one side and a thousand on the other. Do maybe you think that, that most people, when they say oh, I want a knife with good edge edge retention, most of them are talking about the fact that they're not willing to maintain a knife any anyway? Because <laughs> like, what Craig is saying yeah, maybe, is yeah. Craig Craig is saying is true. I mean, I have knives that I haven't brought back to the shop once in years and i just sure. i give yeah. him a lick on the on the the uh ceramic rod and i'm getting great performance i'm cutting i'm sure. cutting paper you know it's like yeah yep. it seems as though i think a lot of people are uh they don't understand that you know here's a good example losing weight is hard when you when you're when you're just like over the over the end like if you need to lose if you're used to you know exercising or doing that stuff it's easier to do but if you have to start from zero it's hard same thing with you know sharpening a knife if you've turned it into a dull edge it's going obviously going to be harder than if you're right in there you know mm, or right. close yeah yeah, yeah. So, so to me it's all about sort of maintaining um, your edges as opposed to sharpening. But, you know, there's going to be cases where people need to resharpen, there's no doubt. Yeah. And as Morocco said, maybe take it to professional. 
Um, yeah, I can't see many people getting these these like sharpening systems, I, as they call them, at I've, home. Really. I've heard people, I've heard customers of mine say they have like the Wicked Edge or what all those sure. expensive mm-hmm. things. And if you're going to use if you're going to use stones and you're worried that you're going to fuck it up, why not get something with like a jig or a guide on it? I don't have a problem with that. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Especially Tom if you want to now do a, a machine, which they say is for home and sort of, you know, kitchen use, um, which is just a smaller version of their normal sort of Tormek, um, sharpening systems. But I think it's got like an aluminium and diamond, um, wheel on it. I've never used one. Um, but uh, yeah, I wonder whether, you know, that kind of thing could be, quite nice to have in a kitchen um but yeah it depends how serious people want to take their knives i suppose there you go there you go okay well we mentioned broad back then and their their long platen the morocco long platen um what else (laughs) are they doing they must sell grinders surely yeah they sell (laughs) broadback armor sells awesome grinders two by 72 grinders knife makers making uh, grinders for other knife makers and that's the kind of person that you want you want people who are they know what you need and one of the intuitive things about the guys at Broadback are because they they're you know Vince and, and Ryan make beautiful knives so they know what they need or they know what they want I actually just used uh, they sent me the uh, integral platen uh, and I used it and it's great and it's really helpful it was helpful to get into certain places and I use all the parts and if you go to broadbackironworks.com and put in promo code knife talk you can upgrade to the Moreco platen which is a very 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 good deep platen to get you Gets you squared away with your handles on both sides without having to bump into the bump into the arm, and uh, yeah, no, they do a great job. So definitely go get yourself that Broadback Ironworks. And if you don't have, if you have something like something different, their attachments will most likely retrofit into your into your chassis. So go get yourself yeah. that BroadbackIronworks.com. Put in promo code Knife Talk because they've already knocked down the price and get yourself that Mareco Platinum. Yeah, nice, nice. Okay, um, where are we? Minutemen um, EDC. Yes. Um, hey, guys, i got a question. I'm trying to step up my game. I just ordered some Parks 50 from Texas Ferris Supply, and I've been trying to find info on it. Like, do I need to heat it up before heat treating or any other tips, any suggestions? Thanks, and love the show. Um, oils, heating up oils. Um, it's going to depend on the steel, I'd have thought. Um, but um, I don't go crazy with oils. <clears throat> I generally make sure that they're they're warm, so you know the viscosity changes in oils and all that kind of thing. We, we went into this in massive detail when we had uh, Dr. Laren Thomas on the show, for sure, and he he wrote the book on heat treating. So get yourself the book; that'll be a massive help. Um, but generally, Parks Fifty, um, what do you, what are you guys doing? Well, it usually comes with the paperwork. The paperwork comes gives you some ideas of what the the uh, the tips are like how much how how warm it should be so i, I mean, mean what is it like so uh, read the paper was it no i mean obviously i'm just like yeah go probably the, it's it's like around 100 degrees you wanted a, a like 100 degrees somewhere that right yeah i mean it 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 operates between 50 to 100 degrees is kind of like or maybe it's 120 maximum or 110 max um i personally like like it to be a little bit on the warmer side, probably um, maybe around 90, 80 or 90 when I'm doing my heat treat because um, the steels that I'm working with and making my Damascus, they kind of require a faster quench. 
Um, and so, and that's part of the reason you're using the Parks 50 anyways. I mean, you can use Parks 50 for getting a good hormone. Um, the key is um, that you're matching the steel with the kind of oil because Parks 50, like, for example, would not necessarily be great for uh, ADCR V2 or 52100 or uh, Crew Forge V or some of these other steels that require actually a little bit of a slower um, quench. And you might think, oh, I'll just quench with the oil cooler and that'll slow down, but it's still too fast. It would probably still be too fast for that particular steel. And you would want then at that point, like a Parks AAA, um, which is a slower quenching oil. Um, and, and that oil has a, an operating range of around 120, 100, uh, sorry, 120 to like 140 or so. And, you know, if you're doing like Jeff and Craig, both do batches, you also got to think about maybe having extra containers, um, because it's easy to pump that temperature up over outside of that operating range within one or two quench uh, blades getting quenched. Um, but with parks 50, um, there's got to be some information out there. I'm just looking online real quick. There's there's other knife supply company. I, I know that uh, I think it's I think USA Knife Maker has a breakdown on the mm. what parks. Oh yeah, they I'm have looking a at it right there. Yeah, yeah. It's USA Knife Maker has a breakdown of what each oil is good for. Like I know that uh, AAA. I use AAA for fifty two one hundred, and then right. any of the ten series I use Parks fifty. But sure. And USA Knife Maker has a, a breakdown of all the oils and which steels you should be using. Yep. Yeah, I'm looking at it right there. Do you know, it's we had info. we did that sort of heat treat special. We had Dr. Laren Thomas on, and he answered so many like great questions, and he just had he was so knowledgeable about it. Just thinking now, looking back at Nav Singh's question about sharpening, we've never really had anybody on who, who's sort of an expert in sharpening. Um, I, I'm sure I could learn lots from it. I, I think it would be good. Maybe we get somebody on and do like a sharpening special. Well, I talked to nice. uh, uh, Kasumi Kev, uh, uh, hmm. what, like a year, year and a half ago. I did a, um, a one-off episode, just me and him. Um, and we, yes, we, yes. we dove into sharpening a bit there. Um, but yeah, I I don't think it's a terrible thing to to revisit for sure. And I think also it'd yeah, be great to get Larry back as, you know, I, yeah. I got questions. And people for can him. you know send any questions beforehand and bill it as a sharpening special. Yeah, absolutely. So if you've got any sharpening questions, we'll try and cover them all in this in this one episode yeah. kind of thing. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, but I mean we could also call we could see if we could get the guy who hacked Kasumi Kev's Instagram, we could probably get him on. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, uh, fucking poor Kasumi Kev got hacked, and he's some guys. Some guys got his his Instagram page and selling Bitcoin, trying to sell Bitcoin. So maybe we get him on talk about Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd love to get Larry Thomas back, and we try to have him on. I mean, he I think he still listens. This he goes on other people's podcasts. I, I invited him on. He said he was you know too busy hiking around the woods with his family or something <laughs> like that but you know this is it learn come on on anytime you got an open invite there we go there we go shall we call that a show well what you think i mean we could say a few nice words of thanks and stuff like that and what's going on what, what's what do we expect for the world right do you guys have any resolutions that you set for yourselves ah ah resolutions um Oh, wait, this is our this is our first show since New Year, isn't That's it? Right. I keep forgetting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have resolutions myself this year as such, uh, but just more things that I want to sort of achieve. So these aren't behaviours that I need to sort of 
abide by, but just these are goals that I want to have, you know, I suppose. Um, yeah, I do. But, uh, yeah, no resolutions to say. Well, so spill it. You can fart in more jars? What are you talk? Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, you could become the next fartpreneur. Yeah. yeah. I tell you what, I, I, it's, it's, it's mainly about sort of more personal stuff, I suppose. So, I mean, like, I, I, people know I, I started the band this year and, and all that kind of thing. So there's, there's a few things we want to we record, you know, like an EP, you know, four or five songs, um, original songs, in a, you know, in a proper studio. None of these, like, home studio things. And just have, like, a week away in a studio. I think it would just be, it'd be pretty cool. Um, really want to play a festival, too, um, which would be really cool, playing with lots of other bands. Um, when it comes to sort of work-wise stuff, I want to have, you know, stock that is finished here so people can go online and buy it and, you know, it's ready to go, you know. Um, that would save a lot of sort of stresses. Um, yeah, as I said, they're not sort of behavioral resolutions as most people's are, you know, give up drinking and all these kinds of things. Life's too short. <laughs> You'll never give um, that up. Come on. More. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I, I drink, honestly, I drink so little now. Um, maybe, maybe two or three times a week I'll have, like, one drink. You know, two is you know pushing the boat out. I, you know, I don't I don't go crazy, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, most most resolutions are sort of behaviour based, aren't they? You know, I need to stop doing this, or I need to be better at this, and mine are more sort of goals based, I suppose. But uh, what what about you guys, Marco? Have you got any uh, burning ambitions or <sighs> burning ambitions resolutions? Uh yeah, one of my big issues that I'm trying to work through is my I struggle with perfectionism. Um, and it's been, I've come to realize like it's been a lifelong thing and it, you know, perfectionism at first blush, maybe doesn't sound like a horrible thing to care about, but it's, it's really not been great for me. And I've been trying to figure it out over the last couple months, really, since I've kind of identified this, um, and just trying to be, and, and it, I guess it, it manifests in a very negative way when I'm fucking hard as fuck on myself for like the stupidest shit that doesn't even matter. And so it's kind of, it's a combination of getting over perfectionism and trying to be a little, just, just being kinder to myself and forgiving, I guess, of myself to remember that I'm just a person like everybody else and I make mistakes. Um, the key is to pay attention take notes and try to learn from those mistakes and let the let the lesson pass um instead of just because i have a tendency of continuously just beating myself up about everything uh so that's something i'd really like to get over um because <laughs> it's not it hasn't been great uh for me operating in that manner um the other stuff i mean the other big one is uh we want to as a family we have a family goal to um to to take a, a out of state vacation outside of Washington State, we've done a little bit of traveling in the state in the last year, but we haven't really gone anywhere. Um, where when before the pandemic, you know, we were traveling around a lot. Part of that was because we lived in Connecticut and family was in Washington, so we traveled back and forth. But we're talking about uh, getting together a a nice long road trip, probably at least a couple weeks uh, down through Oregon, down to California. We, my wife has very good friends that live down in California, down in Southern California, go visit them and go check out and do lots of side trips and like go check out the La Brea tire pits and visit family and just see like interesting things in the redwoods and old growth forests and stuff like that along the way, uh, as well as visiting, you know, knife making friends who 
are along the path. Uh, and then the last one is I really need to <laughs> bump up my physical activity. I'm not trying to, to like get into marathon shape like Mr. Jeff Fader, but I really need to do something more than kind of the knife making sedentary knife making uh program that i've been on for a while <laughs> standing at a grinder or sitting at a workbench um and i i made a goal to do like 30 minutes three times a week which sounds pretty simple and basic to start with but i know myself and i, I to go back to my perfectionism i really struggle with setting goals in the first place because i i i struggle just like i'm most people to keep up with them and but I take it really hard and I feel like a huge fucking failure when I don't do things. And, and so I, I've to make that goal, uh, goal a little bit more, um, less intimidating for me. Um, I, I've committed to doing 10 minutes three times a week, but knowing myself that 10 minutes, it's, it's, it's the initiation action. I have a hard time starting, but once I get starting yeah. started, then I can fucking go. And, and so I just, I need that, uh, to be a little bit less intimidating and kind of, at least for now, play some mind games with myself and say, oh, I got only got to do 10 minutes. But I'm pretty confident that 10 minutes easily, if I want it to, will go another 20, 30, you know, 40 minutes to get some good reps in um, and just bring more activity into my life. Because I do feel myself as I get older. Um, I'll be 38 this year, slowing down and... It's it's kind of fucking lame because I've been super active and athletic most of my life, and it's been in the last you know five to seven years that that's really slowed down. And so I want to get back to it. I found from sort of twenties through the thirties, it hits hard and it hits fast. Yeah, that sure. whole sort of the metabolism changes quickly. You yeah. know, it's like ah oh, fuck. And it's just much harder to, to change your shape and all the rest of it. Yeah, it's difficult. Difficult. I, I Jeffrey, what's the what's the big uh, big goals? Or I don't do resolutions, resolutions because I don't. I'm just I I made a decision to you know be as healthy as I can be, and, and things are going in good shape. I mean, in regards to what you were saying, Reco, the beginning is always the hardest, but the key is is just have to do it and not think about it because sure. the first bit of it sucks. I've been doing, and I've said it a million times, you know, I'm sick of it. I've been doing Peloton. I've been doing Peloton. The only, I've missed three. You have a, whoa, whoa, Wait whoa. Wait a second. Do you have a Peloton? I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I missed three days since I got it in September. I've only missed three days. Wow. Two days from Maker's Camp, and then one day in the beginning when I thought I shouldn't keep doing it every day. I do it every fucking day at 6 a.m., and I tell you what, and it's made, it's in stone, and I feel amazing afterwards and i'm soaking wet and i and i feel and i feel tons of energy it's always hard in the beginning and you just got to do it and otherwise what are you going to do sit you're going to sit in your chair and flip through i you know for 30 minutes on instagram fuck that so it's you gotta the the key is to just do it and just not think about it just just do it Mm -hmm. take care of it and then you'll feel better about yourself doing it that's all i have to say but i want to get back i want to i gotta go back to my doctor and i want to I want to let him Another have finger. it. I want to let him have it because he told me the last time I saw him that I'm too big to run again. And I ran the New York City Marathon, and my I was definitely too big. I killed my knees. I when I'm 50, my wife and I are going to both. She just turned 48. We're both going to do the marathon together at 50, and I'm going to feel good the whole time. That's all I care about. Mm. The time I want to do better than the last time, but I want to feel good doing it. So. 
Boom. Nice. There you go. Nice. C- can anybody do the marathon now? Well, it, I mean, the London marathon, you've got to apply, and there's like, like they say, like less than 20% will actually get the chance to do it. It's a huge so production big. because there's lotteries. We used to be members of the Roadrunners Club where you could, if you did nine races in a year, the next year you got. You got an instant ticket. You got a spot. We used oh, wow. to go do that. I love the New York. I know love the Roadrunners Club because you ran in Central Park, and it was just such a great environment to run in, and the greatest city in the world. And it is hard to get into it, but what you can do is what I did the last time was I joined the Michael J. Fox Foundation, and I had to raise three grand. And I have a friend who's on the board there, so I I might I told my wife I'm like we'll run the marathon. You might have to raise some money, but we're going to run the marathon. So we're we're both shooting for when we turn fifty to be in that shit and and you know nice. be obnoxious. It'll be great. Can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. I love long distance running is the best. It's like it's very meditative, and you do get like mm. this moment where. Your waist keeps going if you focus on your breathing, and all of a sudden you look down and you don't feel your lower half, and you're you know it's yeah. you're in like this kind of like weird, very very weird space that I've just really really like. So that's that's what I want to do. Before we had the twins, I had a couple of years of doing like ten k's, twenty k's, that kind of thing, um, and I loved it. Like you said, you get into this yeah. flow state after a while. After maybe sort of five six miles, yeah, that's right. The pain goes, and then you're just in it. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. It's this bizarre feeling. Yeah. It's very, very. I understand there is like this kind of transcendental meditation thing going on. The half marathon, the, the runners high I hear about. You, well, yeah, I mean there are there are moments when I was training for the marathon. It was it is also a huge. It was a, it's a huge amount of time spent training. You can't just like. You you have a very specific schedule, and I had like three or four months of like I would have no I would have like one day off a week, and it was long run it was short runs during the week, and then really long runs during the during the weekends to the point where you're like mm. you're gone for like three hours running, and it's just like four hours running. It's just like it is Jeez. a total time commitment, but it was it was great. I mean, I loved it, and you do get like this. Actually, the funny thing is is. I was when I would do anything over 17 miles I was awful for the rest of the day to the point where Hillary would like not let we we couldn't go to people's houses because I was like unbearable. I was unbearable. She was just, grumpy. Fucker. We get invited to things. Ah, oh, we can really yeah, we can't. Why not? Oh, Jeff's just ran 17 miles and he's going to be a piece of shit. So you can't go anywhere. <laughs> but uh yeah, running's the best. I love it. Cool. So that's the big goal to get fit. Well, I mean, we're there. I mean, I've got 15 more pounds to go before I can feel good in in terms of getting in more running shape. 15 like pounds. I can do long distance. Like what will 15 pounds put you at? I mean, I want two, 205. Wow. 200, 205. That's where I want to go. Um, 205. So how much have you lost? Since the the biggest I was was two fifty, and now I'm down to two sixteen, two seventeen after after holiday. So when were like, you two fifty? It was a couple of years ago. I was yeah. hitting two fifty, and then at the height of pandemic, I was around two fifty, two two thirty, two thirty five, two fifty. Wow! So I dropped a lot. It was good. It feels great. It feels good. I feel really I good. Believe it. Wife nice. wife looks nice. at me different. Good for you. Life looks all. You know what I said to her? I'm like, does the penis look longer? And she goes, Why? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I said, The penis looks bigger. That's good enough for me. So lose the weight, and the penis oh gets God. bigger. So, 
You still haven't got to the point where you can see your own penis yet. Right? I've gotten to the point where I see <laughs> penis. I see for outside opinion. The move is you, you look straight down. You see penis before you see toes, not stomach before penis before toes. So I'm there at penis that's toes. Where, where, that's good enough for me. Yeah. So. Uh, last thing I just want to say, one th- I'm going to say one th- last thing is, is uh, as a community, you know, we, we talk about the, the importance of the community. Um, our friends at New Jersey Steel Barons just lost um, one of their family. Uh, Brandy Coughlin was uh, one of the people who worked. She took the phone calls. She dealt with a lot of the customers. She was a huge part of the New Jersey Steel Baron company. And I sent a message to Pete, and, and uh, they're devastated. I mean, the New Jersey Steel Baron is a very, very small organization, and they're family. They know each other. So um, I just want to send my greatest feelings towards, you know, our, our deepest condolences to the New Jersey Steel Baron and uh, Pete and everybody there. So uh, sending our regards. And at some point, we're going to they're going to try to do something for uh, an organization that she's involved with. So we're going to do that. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the show. Because Craig fucking fucking fell off. He's too he busy jarring farts. He's too busy jarring farts. He he had you brewing one up. He brewing one up, and he turned the fucking camera off. So I guess this is the after show. Just to make things clear, I wasn't jarring farts. I had a power cut, and it cut the recording, and it cut the whole thing. So we're very sorry. We shall speak to you again next Monday. Bye for now. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.